Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. Tonight, we're going to discuss whether Star Trek is too Star Trek-y. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Geek Out Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, got to the end of the week. Going to have some fun talking some Star Trek. I'm doing great. Yeah, well, we're going to have some fun, but it's serious business we got to conduct here about Star Trek. <laughs> things are things are not well in, in Star Trek land, are they? Well, I will, we'll get around to saying some good things that are going on with Star Trek at some point in, in the show. But yeah, there's especially uh, especially with these with the movies and the in the new Kelvin timeline. There is there, trouble in the Kelvin there's trouble, timeline. serious trouble. Yeah, serious trouble. I guess we need to define what the Kelvin timeline is for those who may not know. I, I suspect pretty much any Star Trek fan would know. If you've been watching but, Star Trek at all over the last few years, since 2009 specifically, they, they, in the new movies they spun off a new timeline from the original Star Trek timeline. And it's called the Kelvin timeline because it has to do with the changes that occurred on board the starship Kelvin and then subsequent things that happen. It's like the whole universe spins off in a, in a different direction after that. But, it, but the changes begin with the destruction of the starship Kelvin, spoilers of the beginning of the first Star Trek movie, and the death of George Kirk, the father of that's James right. T. Kirk. So that's the Kelvin timeline. That's what we've been watching over these past years. And it's a very different, it's a very different story. Kirk didn't grow up and be, become a superstar at Starfleet Academy and then captain of a smaller ship and then captain of the Enterprise. He was this down-and-out guy who worked his way up through Starfleet miraculously fast and became a captain way too soon. And it's, it's been a, a real fun ride. Some not-so-great moments, perhaps, but we'll, we'll get into that. But it looks like the fourth planned movie in the franchise is not going to happen. It looks like they might be... They might be heading for a reboot or for some other kind of change, of course, because the video you sent me, Stephen, the headline was Star Trek Four Loses Pine and Hemsworth, The Rise and Fall of the Kelvin Timeline. So we've linked that video here. Check that out over on, oh, well, here on YouTube. Uh, as a great synopsis of everything that's kind of gone wrong in the Kelvin Timeline. And I think what the, the first thing that I learned from this, I didn't know. I just thought that they went off in this other timeline direction because they thought it was creative and fun to create this new thing. I guess because of the weird relationship between Paramount and Viacom, or it's actually now CBS and Viacom, or CBS and Paramount, both of them owning part of Star Trek, the new Star Trek had to be different, and it had to be a different story. So they, right. they, they followed their, their instructions and created a whole, new, a whole new Star Trek timeline. And it involves, watch the video, I won't try to recap all that, but there's all kinds of issues around merchandising and what will work and what won't work. But bottom line is they were working on a script for a movie that sounded to me like now they're going in the right direction, right? Because they were going to bring back Chris Hemsworth as Captain Kirk's dad, and it was obviously going to be a time travel story possibly involving 
the what's it called, the gateway to forever, the gateway to eternity, possibly involving the mirror universe. Both things that I've said they need to bring into they need to bring into the Star Trek movies. And that's why Chris Hemsworth would have been in it anyway, right? He dies at the beginning of the first movie, but suddenly they were he was slated to be in it, and they were negotiating with him. He's out. More, much more devastatingly, Chris Pine is out. So, right, yeah. Captain Kirk. How, how do you, how do you make a, how do you make a Star Trek movie without Captain Kirk? I mean, wow. it it would it would be easier to uh, to lose uh, Spock, you know, than to lose Captain Kirk. I would. Think. Well, yeah, and, uh, I, that's a tough call, but you. At least yeah. you can put someone else in makeup and say he kind of looks like him. But right. Kirk is just the guy, right? And we've already kind of gotten used to Chris Pine as Kirk, so I think that would be a very hard sell to cast someone else as, as Kirk. So it just it puts the whole future of the, the entire franchise up in the air. It's like, do you just do you start from scratch? What do you do? There's been this talk of a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie coming after the fourth one. Will they just move on to that one? Nobody knows what's going to happen now with Star Trek. And it's unfortunate because I, it feels to me like they were kind of finally moving it in, in the right direction. And I, I would have really liked to have seen that. And they have hesitated to go in that direction because I think there's this feeling on the part of the executives at Paramount that there's something a little bit damaged goods about Star Trek, that Star Trek is a property that maybe you can make some money off of, but not in its native form, right? It has to become something else in order to be something that makes money for you. And that goes all the way back to when they brought on J.J. Abrams, and he's like, well, I'm really more of a Star Wars guy. you know." So everybody knows, oh, okay, he's going to make more of a Star Wars movie than a Star Trek movie. And it's like, well, why? why? Why would it have to be more of a Star Wars movie than a Star Trek movie? Star Trek is its own thing, and it, and it, can, be, it can be a good thing too. One of the things that comes out in the video is that after Guardians of the Galaxy came out, all the executives at Paramount were angry because they weren't making that kind of money on their space movie, right? So right. we've got to make Star Trek more like Guardians of the Galaxy, or there was we got to make Star Trek more like the Avengers. We got to make it more like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you've talked, you and I have talked about this a little bit before. I think that's a big mistake they got into with Star Wars. And it's, right. now it sounds like a mistake they're getting into with Star Trek. Nobody should look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and say, "Hey, I think we should go do that too," right? Because yeah, and everybody thinks that they should do that. But whether it's Universal with their monster movies, I think they've had three aborted attempts now at starting a monster movie franchise. And then, of course, DC is trying to do their thing. And yeah, well, uh, it's, it's one thing to success. say you want to have a franchise, yeah. right? But to say yeah. we're going to replicate what Marvel has done is absurd. Nobody's going to do right. it, right? I, I, and I feel that if you're realistic in your Star Wars or Star Trek, what you do is you, you aim a little bit more to the middle, and you say, man, if we could do something like Lord of the Rings, right, have a good successful run like Lord of the Rings had, that would be great. And Lord of the Rings turned into quite a property because they did Lord of the Rings, and then they did The Hobbit, and that's a, that's a good run of movies right there that they, were, yeah. that they were able to put together and made a ton of money and very successful and true to what the stuff was, right? They didn't try to turn Lord of the Rings into something else in order to make it popular. Same with Harry Potter, right? And that's an yep. ongoing franchise. They're still making money off those movies by making Harry Potter movies. I, I know if we wanted to, Stephen, we could turn this into a whole thing about how Star Wars could possibly have made some money if they decided to make some Star Wars movies, right? But no, we're talking. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to talk. We're, we're going to talk about Star Wars. I, I will. I will only get into the Star Wars thing very, very obliquely uh, tonight. I will, you know, uh, in passing. But uh, yeah, I mean, they with Star Trek. I mean, they had a pretty good start. The 2009 Star Trek reboot, which which is, 
I don't know if you can call it a reboot. It's uh, sort of a soft reboot because it's definitely connected to the old. You know, it's it's an interesting way to reboot it. It's a new timeline. Yeah, I I don't know yeah. what to call it either. I agree. It's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 different and kind of cool. I I, yeah, I like that. Hard to class. <laughs> Even the way they rebooted it, that's a little bit Star Trekky right there, right? Oh yeah. It was a strong start. It it was the most uh, successful money wise that any Star Trek movie had been. It, it beat Star Trek Four, which was the big one before, right? So, yeah, so they, they had the momentum, and uh, let's quickly get our second movie out there, and, and they lost their momentum because they were very slow getting us a sequel. Uh, in 2013, we finally get Into Darkness, and that movie uh, was meant to be kind of an ode to uh, Star Trek II. meant to be a companion piece almost to, uh, you know, The Wrath of Khan, and yeah. it... It was, it failed in a lot of ways. It Five was, years uh, later, does it stand the test of time? I think not. No, right? it, I was kind of excited about it at the time and said, "Yeah, this is great." You know, we get to see. It doesn't really stand the test. Yeah, say you want to watch some I've Star had, Trek, and your choices are: you can watch Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, or you can watch Star Trek: Into Darkness. Which one are you going to watch? Right? I mean, hands down. Right? It's, I mean, the, the only the, the only Star Trek movie I would like to watch less than uh, Into Darkness would be Star Trek Five. That's the oh, only one. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the only. Yeah, Man, Star Trek so Five. So you really just turned on. Terrible. Yeah. Oh uh, uh, no. yeah, yeah. I've really. I, I, no, I thought it was kind of okay, and then I thought it was kind of bad. But uh, I, I watched it once in the theater, and then I watched it once, uh, you know, at at home, and uh, I, that was all I need. I don't need to see it again. To, to me, I mean, it's just got some big... real problems. If you think about it, you know, this interstellar beaming thing. Khan beams from Earth straight to uh, planet Kronos. Vulcaners. Mm-hmm. Kronos, yeah, the, yeah. And that's <laughs> light years away, right? Uh, well, okay, well, I guess yeah. we don't. Uh, we really don't need starships anymore, do we? Yeah, um, no, we got we got transporter beams now. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the level the level of interest in even basic science fiction science just yeah. Uh, well, I was uh, you know I despaired of that after the first Star Trek movie and and the Star Wars movies. It's just like you, you just go, oh please, just try a little harder, just a little. If you could just try a little harder than you're trying, it would it would be so appreciated. But uh, yeah, stuff like that will drive you crazy. But but that's nerdy, right? I guess complaining about those things makes you a nerd, Stephen. So good. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and, uh, and I own it. And man. I'm right there with you. By the way. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me that that. that <laughs> That takes some of the fun out of the movie, right? It's right, like if right. I know more about how this should work than the people making the movie, then there's something wrong with that, right? It's like they yeah, should know yeah. more about how this works than I do because they're getting paid a lot of money to to make that movie. To, but to me, even trying to make it a, a tribute to Wrath of Khan, I think, was a mistake. I, I think there, there's yeah. something creatively bankrupt about Star Trek if they think, well, the second movie, we got to dig in and make it as Wrath of khan as we possibly can because Why? Why did they have to do that? You know, Wrath of Khan is, is an awesome movie. It's there. We have it. You've created a new timeline. Don't have all the same stuff happen as happened in the other tam- timeline or slightly different versions of the same stuff. Uh, or if you're going to give us slightly different versions of the same stuff, give us really interesting slightly different versions of the same stuff. You know, ha- have it look more like the first one. But instead, it's like we'll use the name, but he's not really the character, right? It wasn't really Khan. He, he was, you know, he, he was some kind of super being, right? Well, you know, the thing that I was really hoping for, you know, all the all the years uh, after having watched the, the Star Trek two, I was really yeah. hoping to see Carol Marcus in a bikini. And, uh, and well, now that okay, that, there was a payoff there for sure. Yes, <laughs> I believe she was in her undies. 
son. Yeah. Uh, if we're gonna, okay. Uh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. We're going to get technical here, but. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. But even know, with that. Point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying the only the only reason that she was that she as a character was in that movie was because of the connection with Khan, and then that, you know you got to have Carol Marcus, I guess. If you're going to have yeah. a story about Khan. But she was just a and, woman named Carol Marcus. She wasn't the same person. She wasn't a doctor. She wasn't a scientist. She was British now all of a sudden for some I mean, there, yeah. she, she was – I mean, it would have made sense, I guess, to have Carol Marcus involved in this younger stage in Kirk's life, have him meet up with her. Okay, that's fine. But she, they make her a completely different person, and she's pointless. And yeah. was the plan for her to eventually be pregnant with Kirk's son? I don't know, but that was a stupid idea if it was. And disappointing, disappointing that, that they couldn't get it together. But then they, they did try to kind of get it together with the third one, which was pretty good. And I enjoyed it. However, I don't think I had enjoyed it nearly as much as I would have enjoyed what the third one was supposed to be. And that was my big discovery from this video, which was what yeah. was going on with, what's the guy's name, Roberto Orchi, and he, he was the writer and director of what was going to be the third movie, and that one sounded awesome, and it sounded yeah. very much in line with now what the fourth one is going to be, because they were going to bring in the gateway to eternity, and it was going to be this attempt to fix the timeline, to, to revisit everything, maybe bring Vulcan back. That'd be kind of nice, you know, have a big happy ending where the timelines get fixed and all that kind of stuff. I think I've been saying that for a couple of years now, that that's the direction they should go. So I don't know if they were listening to the podcast or whatever, but it was... <laughs> It was a good idea, and yeah. they didn't go that way with the third one. This is what kills me. You know, they, they went with this script written by Simon Pegg, and Simon Pegg's comment on it was, well, that other story was, and here's the quote, too Star Trek-y. <laughs> this, is, this is where I feel that they've really misunderstood what they're dealing with here, right? It's like the, the point isn't to give people another version of stuff they already like, and slap the name Star Trek on it, right? The point is to take actual Star Trek and give people a version of that that they like, right? That, that's, that's a slightly harder challenge, but the, the studios, they're afraid of that, I guess. I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, they're afraid to really embrace the, uh, the nerdiness of Star Trek. Right. And, but that's your core audience there. I, and I said earlier that I wouldn't mention Star Wars so much, but I, I think I should. Uh, I think the problems that Star Wars is currently having is that they've forgotten their core audience. You know, right. I mean, it's okay to reach out and, and bring new people in, but uh, you, if you forget your core audience and you move too far away from your core audience, you lose that, and you may or may not get the new audience. Okay, so broaden your tent, you know, make a bigger tent. That's great. But by making a, a very good movie, a good story, that's the way to do it. And, and they've done this before. They've gone down this road. Star Trek has gone down this road where the first Star Trek movie was, they were trying to be something that Star Trek wasn't. They were trying to yeah. be a thinky 2001-esque sci-fi kind of thing. Uh, with 2000 and, uh, with with uh, Star Trek the motion picture the first movie and, w and what they turned in was boring it was not a, it's not a very popular movie it's probably the second or third least the least esteemed of all the Star Trek movies it was a huge yeah. hit it made a ton of money but it was it was not the sort of thing you sit you, you don't want to go back and watch it again right that's the no, the, no. Thing, the thing about Star Trek the motion picture is it's not one where people throw lines from it at each other right because there weren't any. Right. Yeah. I, the, <laughs> it really wasn't. The, the, problem, the problem with Star Trek The Motion Picture was, I, I, was, I actually tried to watch it a while back. I was like, what, what, is, what, is, what is it with this movie? And 
I honestly don't think it's because they tried to make it a big science fiction epic of the 2001 Space Odyssey ilk. They maybe could have pulled that off. What they tried to copy, though, was the tone of 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? They, they right, tried to, right. If they'd made it a Star Trek movie that dealt with those things, it, it might have worked. And when you watch that movie, that's the thing that you notice is everything feels off. And this was the thing yep. Leonard Nimoy said about it a couple years later, was that it didn't tell you a story about the characters, right? It's like the characters yep. weren't there. The people you care about that makes it Star Trek – somehow didn't come through in the performances and the weird costumes and the makeup and the directing and the act. It just didn't work, right? It wasn't Star Trek. And then Star Trek two comes along and it was right. It was, well, they, they went back to the drawing board and they said, okay, we made, we made this hugely expensive movie yeah. that it sort of made its budget back, but we don't think we could do that again and make money. Okay, right. so here's right. what we're going to do. We're going to cut the budget like go do a we're going to do a Star Trek movie with about a third of that budget. And but what we're going to do is go back to what makes made the TV series so popular and everything. The guys that wrote Star Trek 2 sat down and watched every episode of the uh, the original series. Right. And uh, then they decided to make Star Trek 2 sort of a sequel to Space Seed. One of the right. episodes. One of the actual episodes comments. of the show, yeah. And they just went with it and made a very fun movie. That I probably is probably one of the most popular movies, Star Trek movies still. And really, the third and fourth and I would say maybe the sixth movie, if you want a, a trilogy of Star Trek movies that are great, what you do is you, you sit down and, well, it's a trilogy plus an epilogue, right? You watch <laughs> two, three, four, and six, okay? You can watch That's, six, uh, yeah. But but yeah, you get the whole story if you watch two through four. Yeah, two, three, four yeah. in a row, right? It, it works. Yeah, there's your Obviously, trilogy right there. Nobody's going to say watch five. Nobody, yeah. and uh, nobody's really going to push for one. And, yeah, the Star Trek Next Generation movies, uh, watch watch First Contact. It's fun. Probably. First Contact, yeah. Generations, yeah. Eh, you know. Nah. Not All really. the rest of them, nah. It's just uh, like, like episodes of the show. I mean, it's like... Um, stretched out to an hour and a half instead of uh, getting it all yeah, Right, yeah, little reminders of why the show was kind of a drag sometimes, right? It's like why Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation wasn't always all that great. I mean, uh, obviously, yeah. Patrick Stewart is always awesome, but, but there's just not enough, not enough there to make them really good movies. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the bottom line, I think, is that if you look at what you mentioned before, Star Trek IV was the most successful one until until the reboot, until 2009 Star Trek, that was as Star Trek-y a movie as you could ever make, right? They weren't even in yeah. the Enterprise in that ship. They were flying around this Klingon ship. How geeky, how nerdy is that, right? It was some story about whales communicating with aliens, and there, there weren't even any bad Time guys travel. in that movie. You know, just some, yeah. just some whalers, right? I mean, we're, and some Navy guys who were well-intentioned, but it's like the big adversary is the U.S. Navy, but they're good guys, right? They're not bad guys. There's none of that kind of action movie conflict that they would say formulaically has to be in a movie to make it good, but it worked, right? Because you can yep. make a good movie with a lot of different kinds of elements. It doesn't have to follow a particular formula. And I think that's really the problem is they think there's some magic formula that they can take this stuff and cram it into and then, and then, and then it'll work. And it's just, that's, that's not the, that's not the case. When, when they rebooted Star Trek after the motion picture, it's not because they put it into a formulaic movie. It was kind of a formulaic movie, but it was because we were interested in the characters. It told a really good story, kind of a low-stakes story when you think about it. Star Trek, the motion picture, you know, the whole universe 
is at stake, right? Earth's at stake, the whole thing. In Star Trek II, what's really at stake is a few people might get killed, right? I mean, that's yeah. that we, there, there's there's a risk that the Klingons are going to get a weapon, which would be dangerous. But other than that, I'm sorry, that's Star Trek Three. Yeah, Star Trek Two yeah. doesn't even have that, right? It's just it's one ship fighting another ship, right? That, that's the that's the whole conflict. There. <laughs> and it was and great, it, and it, was and it great. totally worked. Yeah, it, it, just, <laughs> it totally worked. It was a really it was a really good movie. They could make maybe that's the suggestion, Stephen. You, you know, you said it when we talked the other day. And you said it now. Maybe that's our advice: is cut your budget, go make a low budget, interesting, small Star Trek movie, and see if you can't get this yeah. thing going again. Huh? Maybe that's, that's right, that, and that's the way. And I think that's the way you do it. I think you follow that model. You think you need to spend uh, blockbuster prices and then have it as a summer release? No. Star Trek was always uh, the, the most of the Star Trek movies were released in the fall. Yeah. They didn't try to. They didn't try to compete with the summer movies. They were. They were these kind of thinky. You're still aiming at some of the same crowd that would go to the summer movies, but it's a little. It's, it's meant to be a little geekier. They come out of Christmas thinkier. time usually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and they'd bring them out at that time, so you didn't have. They didn't have to compete so hard, and and they made money. They they consistently made money. Even even some of the you know weaker entries uh, uh, did did well. So I'll tell you know. what you it's, you make a low budget Star Trek movie with Quentin Tarantino directing it, and I've had you know warm and cold feelings about what he would do with it. But that would be I would definitely go see that movie, right? I mean I would be very excited to go see <laughs> what what that would uh, what that would look like. Well, I I hope they work something out. I hope they get Chris Pine back to the negotiating table and they they need to at least finish this story it'd be terrible if there's not closure on this timeline somehow or other right. one way or another it's it's kind of like going back to star wars it's kind of like where they are now with episode nine right it's like well now what happens right yeah well, i don't know yeah kind of, um, they're, they're a little bit painted in a corner uh the the various legacy characters are gone and princess leia is is still alive in the uh, in the story our the actress is gone and uh, so what do they do i, I, I you know they've got a problem there they really yeah, they, they, they've, def, they've definitely got a problem there now the solution has always been apparent for or at least to me it was always apparent for the kelvin timeline which was you've got a timeline you need to fix it right this is yeah. somehow you've got to have a story where you do that and i think it'd be really cool to do that so they could bring eric banna back and have him reprise the role of the good version of the Romulan who started the whole mess, right? Because they could use the mirror universe, right? Where all of our guys are villains, right? And all the bad guys are good guys, right? So that'd be really cool. Have him like come back and help set, help set everything right. So you don't even need Chris Hemsworth, right? Who I guess is a little pricey because he's Thor now, you know, and he's worth, yeah, he's worth that's so much right. money. You know, he's got Infinity War money, right? So he doesn't need this little <laughs> Star Trek project. He can take it or leave it. But you can bring other interesting people from the first movie back and tell that story. And I think they could, they could, do, something, they could do something really cool with that and really, really Star Trek-y. And if you make it fun, I think people, people will go see that movie just like they did, they did Star Trek for. Anyway, this has been my opportunity to vent. I feel like, you know, Stephen, I've... <laughs> You've had to on Star Wars a couple times, and I'm sure you will again. Yeah. But, um, well, it, it, here's the here's the thing: whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek, let it be what it is. And yes. uh, yeah, go go and reach you know reach out to you know non traditional audiences of that kind of thing. I mean, if you can if you can get minorities and women interested in something that's been traditionally some you know the the geeky white male thing. Right. If you can if you can broaden your audience, that's a wonderful thing. And I'm going to tell you, that's that that doesn't alienate the core audience. 
when you you do a story that's good enough that it bring that everybody gets interested in it. Yeah, that, you, uh, you want to bring more people you, in. You tell a good story, yeah. right? Tell a good yeah. story, then all those other elements come into place, right? Everything else you're trying to do. But if you don't do that, it doesn't matter what other elements you put in. You're not going to appeal to that audience anyway, because you're not going to appeal to any audience because it's not a good story. I mean, it's just. You know, it's, exactly. it's kind of the way that works. And, and what you just said reminded me, the other one that kind of falls into this category is the Man of Steel movies, right? Where they took Superman yeah. and they made him into flying Batman, right? It was just, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, we have decided that it must, be re, it must be really terrible to be Superman. Because yeah, what a drag to be about Superman. It. You, you what are, an angsty yeah. life Superman must have, yeah. yeah. That's just a total misunderstanding of Superman. And, and, and this is where you got to give him credit. The Kelvin timeline, those movies, they get Kirk. They understand Kirk. And Chris Pine was yeah. brilliant casting. And that swagger, you know, those expressions on his face, the things he says, that's, that's, that's James Kirk. I, I, I've always felt that they really pulled that off, probably more so than Zachary Kinto pulls off Spock, frankly. I think that the, yeah. the, the real heart of it is, is Chris Pine playing the part of Kirk. So they got the characters pretty close. I think they're, they're, do, they're doing it. And McCoy, right. uh, you know, I mean, I, oh, I think the new McCoy, uh, yeah. he looks nothing like the old McCoy at all, okay? Yeah. He's a, a Saturday matinee hunk, right? I mean, of a guy. And yeah. playing McCoy, who is never that, right, at all. But, but, but it's just, somehow it, he becomes the same person. I mean, it's the same and, and I know. Yeah. You just completely buy it. And so yeah. the cast yeah. is great. And Uhura is great. I mean, it's just it's a good cast. Yeah. And it yeah. always has been, but you've got to tell a good story. That, Give them uh, a good story to live in, absolutely. That's they're, right. They deserve mm-hmm. it. They're, they're, they're good at it, and they should have one. All right. Well, that's our geek out. I, I hope that some of this gets, gets through to the studio executives. We know they <laughs> listen to this podcast regularly. Well, I, so. <laughs> well you know, I'm just going to say, uh, Phil, that uh, how dead is the Kelvin Timeline franchise at this point? There will be Star Trek in the future. I think that this thing's pretty dead. I it really might be. I, I think part of the problem is they've signed them for a three-picture three contract. In order to get all the actors back, they're going to have to spend more. And, right. and yet, here they, here they are. They, they've lost on Beyond. And this, this blows like, On Beyond, they lost $100 million. How do you yeah. lose $100 million on, on a movie that was pretty good? I enjoyed yeah. it. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't get. I don't get how they lost that much money, but they did. Yeah, and of course they'll never get Anton Yelchin back. Rest in peace. Yeah. So. Yeah, he he was awesome, and uh, and you know they and they've lost him, and uh, yeah. so we may we may have that trilogy of movies uh, for the Kelvin timeline and no closure, and uh, it they will just, just be uh, its own thing. Know. It will be its own yeah, very odd thing that happened with Star Trek, and that's okay. It's okay that weird things happen with Star Trek. That's kind of what Star Trek is all about. So. Yeah, and they'll go forward and do something completely different and it might might take them a couple of years to get their act together but uh we'll, we'll see star trek again on the big screen and the little screen <laughs> okay we, we could we could keep going on but that's enough star trek talk for one night i feel thoroughly geeked out how about you steven <laughs> yeah we have done it we have uh we've uh, we've geeked out so. we did what we needed to do all right well great having you all with us great talking to you steven we will be back next week with three brand new shows look forward to being with you all then and until next time live to see it
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.